When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're invited to I Am The Cute One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. And I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. Is that a wig? It's not. So we're here today to cover Goosebumps, The Haunted Mask. And if you heard Donnie's gasp at the start of the recording, my costume today is that I got my hair cut, and it is short. Happy Halloween! Okay, it's cute. I've hinted around it often. Pretty girls with short hair don't bother me, unless it's like full bike territory. It's like when Alyssa Milano had that, I just couldn't. So it just slurs one minute in. I don't really like to use that slur because it's not a community I'm a part of. But on Twitter, I did see people fight about it and say, if you're a gay of one kind, you can use any kind of gay slur. So... <laughs> That's the worst this faggot is attaching his card up to until I'm told otherwise. Okay, well, I will not be saying the F slur <laughs> just to cross my T's and dot my I's. Fair. But thank you for calling me pretty. Of course. I think that might be the first compliment you've given me. <laughs> Ever. And I am just a witch. I just put a witch hat on. But I've been teasing my nipples all spooky season. So I did put on a club shirt to just get them out live and on video. It's important to wrap up storylines and really tie a bow on yeah. through lines here this spooky What's season. What's that thing so. called? Pavlov's thought? No, that's something else. There's like some theater trick where if there's like a gun on stage, it oh, better go off at some point. Chekhov's gun. Oh, yeah. So that's what these nipples are like. So you're saying <laughs> that your nipples will be exploding in the next 50 minutes. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. So like I said, we are here today to cover Goosebumps, the haunted mask. Before we get into this, let me just ask the question right at the top of the episode. Do you feel in any way that R.L. Stein stole from you today, Donnie? I don't think so. Not enough to put in my notes, but as we get further, maybe I'll come to a realization that yes, yes, he did. Currently, I don't. Okay, it's good to know that this feud can be put on pause for the time being. At the start of the episode, I have a question for you. You uh-huh. hated One Day in Horrorland, which is a Goosebumps book, and then you loved Fear Street's cheerleaders. Where do you stand with this? Are you an R.L. Stein girl, or are you just a Fear Street girl? I liked this one. I felt okay. like this one had higher stakes. I think the thing about the Funland one was that nothing happened. There weren't yeah. actually any stakes. It was like kids playing pretend and scaring them themselves. Whereas Mm. this one, like lives were ruined. Trauma was had. That's true. And I think what's tough about Goosebumps is it went for a long time. It was like 180 books or something. So Mm. because of that, I think all of his real ideas (laughs) were used in the beginning. And then he just had to pull stuff out of his ass. And when you're doing that, but still writing for kids, it's tough what you can do because you can't kill people. Yeah. So this book was published in September of 1993. Dream Lover by Mariah Carey was at the top of the charts. The Fugitive was the number one movie. Also this month, the first episodes of The X-Files and Bill Nye the Science Guy aired on television. And Death Row rap star Snoop Dogg and his bodyguard were charged with the murder of a rival gang member. Wow. 
Did he do it? I mean, he's making Grubhub commercials today, <laughs> so I think he may have gotten off. Did you, and this is a dumb question because I do feel like it was kind of a staple of millennial culture for kids during this time, but was Bill Nye, the science guy, like a special treat in school for you? I don't think in school. I remember watching him in the morning before school in elementary school. And then once I got to middle school, I switched over to watch Saved by the Bell or Buffy or something before school. Mm. But yeah, I don't think I've ever watched it in school. Really? That would be like if our teacher was phoning it in that day, they would roll out that old TV and they'd plop in a Bill Nye the Science Guy VHS. Bill, 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 (laughs) Bill Nye. No, the only things I remember watching in school are when I brought Mary-Kate and Ashley, Mm. Case of Thorn Mansion, and the whole third grade had to watch it, of course. And then my sixth grade teacher always put on My Date with the President's Daughter, like twice a month at least. We watched the movie in full, which was like a three-day event in a school Mm -hmm. and then I remember watching Voyage of the Mimi of course with a young of course yeah we've (laughs) talked at length about that one so cuties go back to previous episodes for that tale yeah we watched a lot of random movies and again I do think that we are repeating ourselves a hilarious DM we got this week was that people love to listen to us because it's one of us saying I think I've told this story and the other person saying we'll tell it anyway I probably don't remember so that's the summary that's the back of the book of this podcast but I had a couple. So in my early childhood development class, my teacher would always have us watch The Sister Act 2. The Sister Act The Sister Act 2, (laughs) which is why when we watched The Sister Act No, you just said The Sister Act 2. It's not. It's just Sister Sister Act Act? (laughs) 2. Oh, okay. I don't know. It was just funny to me. Okay. Well, that is why when we watched Sister Act, not The, with Priscilla, I had never seen the first one. I had only ever seen the second one, which once again, when we get back to movies, uh, the list I have going, I can't wait. Me too. And I'm sure they're not the same list at all. So we would always watch that one. And then we would watch the one Denzel Washington movie where he's like trying to break into a hospital because his son (gasps) is in there. John Q, I'm familiar. We always watched that during our home economics class, which is probably why to this day, I don't know how to cook. I was too busy watching Denzel. I know that we had to use sewing machines in home ec because I was Mm. terrified I was going to sew my fingers together and then have webbed hands for the rest of my life. (laughs) I like that in this fear fantasy, you weren't stopping after the first stab. You were going until you had full webbed hands like an amphibian. Speaking of amphibians, I do believe I've told this in a previous episode, perhaps one of our original Mary Kate and Ashley episodes, which are available on patreon.com slash I am the cute one. Always a treat to go back and listen to our villain origin story. But (laughs) maybe like seventh grade, we had an assignment in science class where we had to make up a song based on what we were learning about. And mine was set to the chicken dance. Mm. And it went amphibians includes frog salamanders too. And don't forget your toads and newts. Amphibians reproduced by external fertilization. Ribbit, 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 ribbit. Wow. Mm-hmm. The more you know. So if today's episode makes you laugh or scream or want to put our faces in a mask, (laughs) please do us a favor and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. A five-star review is the easiest way to grow our audience and this community. So thank you in advance and shout out to the people who have left us five-star reviews in the last week because they have been particularly hilarious. This one says, Donnie referring to himself as a necrophiliac is my Roman Empire. 
Mine too. Oh, I did get one from MK Green, shout out, who said Chelsea is the best singer. Sing, sis, sing. Five stars. Okay, since you brought her up, I have something to say about her as well. She DM'd, no, nice. Chelsea's <laughs> jaw dropped. Like I was about to talk shit on air. But let's not forget that every time we do an Instagram live, you, for quite literally no reason, alienate or talk shit about potential guests. <laughs> the next logical step would be you just openly shit talking our listeners, especially our most <laughs> supportive well, ones. Well, here's so. the thing about what you just said. Okay. If I'm not building a bridge with you, might as well burn it. <laughs> I think that's a quote from the Bible. MK Green messaged me and said she's sick of us talking about how your followers hate me and my followers hate you and that there are some followers who like both of us equally. Now, she doesn't say if that means she hates both of us or if she likes both of us, but there are people that want to be acknowledged that are equal fans of us both. So this is me acknowledging you. You might That's be alone. That's the Gen X equivalent of our listeners, the generation <laughs> that always gets forgotten. Those sweet, sweet older cousins who taught us so much and like us both. Okay, the last review that I want to read is from mm. Drago McScare. And the title is Headache. <laughs> this podcast gives me headaches, but I love it so much that I might love my headache. Thank you. We should add that to our pitch for when we can have guests oh, again. yeah. All right. So do you have any background info or trivia I for do. us this week? So the Haunted Mask is a Goosebumps staple, and it was featured in the video game, the movie with Jack Black, and both TV adaptations, the one from the 90s and the new one on Disney+. Plus. It also appeared three times in the book series, twice just in regular Goosebumps, the Haunted Mask, and then the return of the Haunted Mask, which is a sequel. But then also, and this is going to make you scream, it was called The Scream of the Haunted Mask, and it takes place in Horrorland. <gasps> what is R.L. Stein's obsession with Horrorland? I don't know. That man needs to get a life. Truly. And then also he was going to write one more Haunted Mask book, but that's when his contract with Scholastic ended. So now it's just hidden away somewhere, like a Disney vault. One day. So before we get into the plot, what character of this book do you identify as? I think I am, what's her name? Carly Ray. Carly Beth, who I kept wanting to call Sarah Beth. Is there a famous Sarah Beth? No, there's a Sarah Beth in Big Brother, but I don't think it was the season you watched. Well, <laughs> if I call her Sarah Beth, just apologies in advance because I will. And if I call her Carly Ray. Okay. Apologies in advance. Mm -hmm. So Carly Beth, because she's afraid of everything, but still likes to scare people. <laughs> so mm -hmm. a little hypocritical. And she's much like me, bullied by my friends. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I don't like how much this aligns. As much as I hate them and as much as I <laughs> truly was rooting for their demise and downfall, I do think that I have a little bit of Steve and Chuck in me. One thing that I am unpacking in therapy is that being mean isn't actually a love language and sometimes people don't receive it as love. So for example, Donnie, talking shit and being mean to each other, like you are somebody who understands that the more specifically mean I am towards you means like the more I'm paying attention to you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm noticing things to make fun of you for. And my whole life, that has kind of been how I show affection because that's how my family shows affection is just by ripping each other to shreds. Yeah. And so now I'm slowly trying to implement other ways of showing my love and affection towards others because, again, some people, um, it turns out, don't appreciate being 
made fun of relentlessly. I think you should get a new therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine if this podcast turns into me just complimenting everybody all the time. (laughs) I hate it. I hate it. I will say my husband and I are in such a good place now, which is unlike anything we've ever been, that me being mean doesn't turn into fights now. Because before I'm sure it was passive aggressive, you know, whereas now I can just say like, you old bitch, <laughs> you're closer to death than birth. And before, maybe it had hate in it, but now it's how I feel. I love that. Congratulations. Well, what a healthy you. cornerstone of thank marriage. You. I do think that is important. I think that number one, the person has to be open to receiving yeah. shit talking as a love language, just like baseline, like personality wise. But then I do think that part of the reason why me and you can just be absolute trolls to each other is that we at the end of the day know that we're in a good place and that we're not gonna like dissolve the podcast because of you calling me someone with a (laughs) spike haircut for example no i said Alyssa milano had one you do not or i would have signed off immediately cool (laughs) and when you told me you were getting a haircut i like looked up women's haircuts to prep myself with how short i would be comfortable okay i am once again telling you When you say things like this, Uh you know how on our Patreon episode when we recapped the Poconos and we talked about the rule book and how it triggered me in a way where I wanted to immediately break rules? When you talk to me like this about my body, my hair, my choice, it makes me want to literally get a pair of scissors (laughs) right now and cut my hair to the scalp live. I know, but here's the thing. You would have to live with that as well. And I I am revoking your pussy hat. We've come so far, but this is an indication that your women's studies courses are not complete. We're going to have to do some supplemental learning, perhaps take some summer school courses. You are losing your feminist pin for now, sir. I mean, that's fair. Natural consequences, (laughs) am I right? Okay. (laughs) So the one-minute synopsis on the back of the book... How ugly is Carly Beth's Halloween mask? It's so ugly that it almost scared her little brother to death. So terrifying that even her friends are totally freaked out by it. It's the best Halloween mask ever. It's everything Carly Beth hoped it would be and more. Maybe too much more because Halloween is almost over and Carly Beth is still wearing that special mask. She's obsessed. She really is. So Carly Beth Caldwell, like Donnie, is afraid of quite literally everything. Ghosts, snakes, bugs, loud noises, dark rooms, witches, and her school's lunch. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. Okay, good. One (laughs) sentence in. Now, in terms of the lunch, this is a bad example of school lunch. I hate when people talk poorly about school lunches. They're never as bad as TV, books, or movies make you think. My mom famously was a lunch lady most of my life. I did get lunch every single day. And because of that, I am well-versed in school lunches. And I don't Mm -hmm. think they're as bad as people say. In fact, in college, I loved a school lunch. Well, in college, the dining hall, that's a very different But people still talk poorly about dining hall. They're like, oh, we have the here today. Yes, we do. And I'm excited to have this meatloaf. Yeah, I liked my dining hall's food. I was also a buy lunch every day type of gal. Mm. Some of the meals were better than others. 
I frequently went for the quote-unquote pizza, which is just soft, squishy bread that has cheese and sauce on it. Okay. A very specific taste. A very specific texture. Did your school ever have French bread pizza? I think that that was just kind of the norm, where we would get like literally like a square of like very thick Chicago-style pizza. Oh. Because my school's norm was like what Elio's is like. What is Elio's? <laughs> It's frozen pizza, and it's like a square, but thin. Oh, okay. No, Elio's. No, I'm a DiGiorno's bitch. <laughs> well, DiGiorno's is what you, like, graduate to. Oh, okay. Elio's is what I had when I was a little kid. I loved my school's Thanksgiving feast, and they always served sauerkraut with it. I would ask my friends, like, are you going to eat your sauerkraut? And everybody was like, no, this is fucking weird. Why are they serving sauerkraut? I love sauerkraut. And so to this day, when we have a Thanksgiving dinner, we're eating sauerkraut, too. Hmm. Now, that is fucking weird. Your friends were correct. That is not a Thanksgiving food. But I come from the school of whatever you want to be a Thanksgiving food can be a Thanksgiving food. So at your house, I don't mind that you have it. At the school, they shouldn't have done that. Yeah, but it was a staple. It wasn't like a one-year mistake. It was like every year I was like, yes, it's the Thanksgiving feast today. We're going to get sauerkraut. So weird. Equally as weird is... My husband and I ordered from a diner the other night because I didn't feel like cooking. And I ordered like a burger or whatever, like you should. And he ordered a Thanksgiving feast. And before he ordered it, he said, this is going to be gross. Then when it arrived, he took a bite and said, this is gross. And I said, well, <laughs> you did that to yourself. I don't know what to tell you. I understand that impulse, though. It's the same impulse that like when you see something in the fridge that's been there too long and you open it, like you have to smell it. Mm -hmm. It's like, I see this thing on the menu. I know it's going to be bad, but I need to confirm it's going to be bad. I don't think you should do that with a Thanksgiving feast, though, especially on October 25th. Mm. If we're a month before Thanksgiving, I'm not having turkey in any form, not a sandwich, nothing. Because once Thanksgiving comes, I will have it for about a week mm, straight. Okay. And I don't want the DM saying, because I've already seen the articles about it, saying like, oh, Thanksgiving meat should only be in your refrigerator three days after you cook it. I don't care. I'm eating it for a week. Well, that's a personal <laughs> choice. Again, your body, your choice. Thank you. Like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. Okay, so back to this book. Like I was saying, Carly Beth is afraid of everything. Carly Beth is also the victim of some good old-fashioned 90s bullying. Her classmates Sabrina, Chuck, and Steve, also like Donnie, spend every waking moment brainstorming ways of absolutely terrorizing their quote-unquote friend. When they aren't sneaking up behind her, they're doing things like putting worms in her turkey sandwich and embarrassing her in front of the entire lunchroom. These are no friends of hers. And no. I am the friend that is afraid of everything. So I do understand with that, people will get joy from scaring you. And as the friend that's afraid of everything, I do make it known when I do think people are going to scare me that like, this is not funny to me. Do not do this. One time when I was visiting Quinn's family, all three of the little kids, like the nieces and nephews, went missing right before I was going to go to bed. And I was like, they are clearly hiding in my bedroom. 
So if they scare me, I might curse at them or hit them because it's a body reaction. So I just went in and said, like, if you're here to scare me, I am going to get naked and go to bed. So please, please leave before you see something you're not supposed to see. And then they all giggled in the closet. And I was like, okay, found. That's a great strategy. I think (laughs) that when you're afraid of an intruder, maybe just say you're about to get naked. nudity. Yeah. Yeah, I don't for as much as again, going back to my love language of being mean, I don't like to scare people because I don't particularly want to be scared. And that's the problem that I have. Like I do like scaring people. You don't want people to scare you, but you enjoy scaring other people. Yeah. But because of that, it brings me so much joy that I give it away because I'm like in the closet giggling. No, do you know when you give it away? How? This is something that I noticed. Okay, we know that you are a fast person, right? You listen to things on two times speed. You don't like being behind slow walkers. When you get excited about something, it's actually super sweet and endearing, but when you get excited about something, you begin power walking for no reason. So I always know when you're about to do something sneaky because you're just doing laps like you're in a power walking convention. I mean, I feel like you could walk a five minute mile. You really get going. So Carly Beth dejected after her real life rendition of nobody likes me everybody hates me think i'll go eat worms heads home where things go from bad to worse her mom does not comfort her or offer words of wisdom and advice instead she announces that she's just returned home from her art class at the museum and presents her daughter with her latest work a life-sized replica of carly beth's head what the fuck truly two things one she has two kids So this is showing your son that you'd rather use your daughter as your muse. That's fucked up. But number two, don't bring that home. Like, leave it in the museum or wherever you work, because what do I want it for? Yeah. This is a little messed up, but I'm going to say it. I don't think my sister listens to the podcast. And if she does today, well... Now, you know, when she was in high school, she had to make a bust of someone's head and she made it of me, which is very sweet. Like, it is very nice that you chose me as the person that you wanted to model this after. She had to write a little card as to why she picked me. That made me cry. But it wasn't an art school. (laughs) This is not a woman that had art experience. This was her first time making a bust of someone, and it looked like it. So then she asked me, do you want this? And I had to say yes. Like, if someone decides to make a head of you, you have to, right? But Mm -hmm. (laughs) it never saw a shelf in my house. We'll just say that. Do you still have it? In a closet somewhere, yeah. Okay, because ask, will you receive? I am manifesting. We've talked about it. One day when you are in a mansion and we have a recording studio in your home, I'm manifesting like a built-in shelving unit behind us where we can put little knickknacks and such, and I need that to be... (laughs) part of the display. Well, you can have it now if you'd like it behind you. Yeah, I'll just put it right here. All of my daughter's artwork and your sister's. And it's like a purple glaze paint to it. Purple. (laughs) The whole thing, just purple. Just one shade of purple. Uh Uh-huh. Really wanted to capture those varicose veins. (laughs) Well, this scene in the book, though, did give me some real insight into Carly Beth's overall psyche. Because (laughs) when she rightfully points out that this mask, a mask that smiles at her, mind you, 
when she points out that this mask is creepy as hell, her mother gaslights her <laughs> and starts like acting wounded and confused by Carly Beth's totally reasonable response to having a life-size replica of your face <laughs> being put on the family's mantle. <laughs> like not only did she bring it home, but she's displaying it above the fireplace. Hideous and terrifying. And again, there is a little brother in the house. Right. (laughs) Carly Beth has had enough. Halloween is approaching, and despite her mom making her a duck costume to wear, she is having an identity crisis. She doesn't want to be cute. She wants to be scary. And be careful what you wish for, because she has no idea how scary things would soon become. As she heads up to her room, she hears an intruder. And as she opens the door, she is attacked by... Noah, her brother, wearing said duck costume. A classic R.L. Stein cliffhanger. I used to have a duck costume, so I'm very sad I didn't have it anymore because that is what I wanted to wear for this. It was a baseball cap, and then the bill I had painted to be the, like, duck mouth. That is cute. Thank you. It's from when I wrote and directed Click Clack Moo Cows That Type in college. There were two ducks, so I took one of the hats, obviously. No follow-up questions from me. Next. (laughs) Oh, okay. So RL Stein didn't steal from me, but in college, (laughs) we had to write a play and like fully direct it, fully produce it, whatever, and do it at an elementary school based on a children's book. Me and my partner chose Click Clack Moog Cows Mm -hmm. That Type. And then a touring company of like a real theater company started doing Click Clack Moog Cows That Type the musical. Were they at the elementary school? No. Okay. But you don't know who, maybe little Sally in the audience, maybe her mom's a Broadway agent. We don't know where the, probably not. It was in Chippensburg, Pennsylvania. (laughs) And I don't think that's where they'd live. But you never know. It could be their vacation home. That they send their daughter to school at? (laughs) You know, you don't. You never know. Yeah, you're right. My Mm -hmm. idea was stolen. Yet again. Um, My favorite thing about being a brother is that I was able to like wear my sister's clothes without asking. Uh And yes, if you're doing the math, she is 12 years younger than me. She (laughs) had like old dance costumes. So when she was six and I was 18, that is when I had lost a lot of weight, you may recall, from my growth spurt. And that's when I like came out. So then I stopped eating so I could be a skinny gay. So then... They had stretch in them, so I would, like, put on a (laughs) six-year-old's unitard. And then, that was just, like, if we did a little dance, Uh you know? Like, if me and my sister choreographed a dance for the family. The 18-year-old just pulled on that leotard. But then I wore, like, black pants with it, so it looked like a boy version. And then she had a regular dance costume. Uh There's photos of this. I'll show you. you. But then, if I, like, just wore her T-shirts around, or, like, her shorts or whatever, around the house to lounge in, I would call her my army boyfriend. (laughs) Like, I could wear my own clothes, but if you have a boyfriend in the army and want to wear his hoodie, then it means more. So I was like, I want an army boyfriend shirt right now. Never tell that story to anyone again, (laughs) please. Why? (laughs) You rarely leave me fully speechless, but you kept talking and it kept getting worse well now when i go home for like the holidays or whatever if i need a shirt to wear when i go to sleep i say that i'm like can i get an army boyfriend hoodie and she knows what i mean so you were spanking your mom's butt and calling your sister your (laughs) army boyfriend and jizzing on pirate chips what a lovely childhood
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the force when no one's looking or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of $200 or more. It's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high-quality collectibles. Or you can gift it to that super geek in your life. Perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that I've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby Yoda. And again, that I refuse to stop calling it Baby Yoda. Plus, shopping at Sideshow earns you 5% back in Sideshow rewards, meaning for every $100 spent, you get $5 back in rewards that can be used on future purchases. While geeking out is its own reward, your collection goes farther with Sideshow. So, what are you waiting for? Visit Sideshow.com, promo code CUTE1, right now, and get ready to let your geek side show. Oh, that's clever. Sideshow. Like Sideshow.com? I get it. Carly Beth vows that she will never scream or be scared again, a vow that is immediately broken at the science fair when Steve, quote unquote, loses his tarantula, causing Carly Beth to scream, ruin her science project, and become the butt of the joke yet again, except this time teachers join in to laugh in her face too that was shocking and terrible carly beth i want to be clear is 100 percent the victim in this situation but i don't know if carly beth's science project was <laughs> destined for greatness regardless of whether or not it got destroyed in her panic because here's just a rundown of some of the other projects at this science fair martin built a computer from scratch Mary Sue Chong built a robot arm. Somebody completed a chemical analysis of the town's drinking water supply. And Sabrina and Carly Beth made the solar system out of ping pong balls. 
But here so. is the thing about that. Just like my sister in that art fair, not everyone is like the best of the best. So you're still good enough to get in it. But then there are people that will do this in the future as a profession. And you're just not one, Carly Ray. Carly best. But yeah, okay. <laughs> and maybe I'm being hard on her because... You're a bully. Well, <laughs> because we dislike in others what we see in ourselves. Mm. Because my science fair projects were always all over the fucking place. One year I did a save electricity campaign and that was my science fair project for whatever reason. Another time I did the effect of time on stains. Oh. This was when our house was getting built. So we had like the samples of carpet that my mom and dad were like picking out and I would dump cranberry juice on it and leave it for various periods and then add the carpet cleaner and see what the stain looked wow. like. And then my most favorite was one year, me and my best friend, did a Save the Mountain Beavers campaign where we looked at the list of the endangered species and we chose mountain beavers. And it turned out that mountain beavers, number one, not a beaver, hmm. does not live in the mountains. And essentially they are like invasive animals who destroy ecosystems who have truly <laughs> no redeemable qualities whatsoever. So that one was a really hard one to continue forward with once we realized that mountain beavers are just kind of pieces of shit. Huh. I never knew about a mountain beaver. I still have a Save the Mountain Beavers magnet on my fridge because, again, for whatever reason in the science fair project, that was like our output is we made little magnets to give people that say, Save the Mountain Beavers. But... I'm me, so there was a typo. I accidentally put two periods at the end. So we had to go and manually add a third dot. So it's like, save the mountain beavers, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Your projects are really good. Thank you. So after the science fair debacle, Carly Beth makes another vow. She will get her revenge. And so the night of Halloween, she heads to a new creepy mask store in town to pick out the spookiest costume that will scare her frenemies to death. But alas, when she gets to the shop, it's closed. This is very last minute, though. Why would you wait till 5 o'clock p.m. on Halloween to get a costume? Were you a last minute person or did you like prepare long in advance? I was somebody that always had a running list of ideas throughout the year of like what I wanted to be. Yeah. My problem was I could never find the stuff I needed to match the perfect vision I had in my mind. Mm. So it would always be like, you know, to everybody else, they thought my costume was great. But to me, it was like 90% finished because I was up until the last minute trying to find that perfect last piece of the puzzle. I understand. Yeah, I have a lot of really good Halloween ideas for when I am rich and famous. My number one being from the witches. I want to be here yeah. with her face half off. But like right now, I can't pull that right. off. You need that Heidi Klum Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the most last minute I ever was, was like a year. I wasn't going to celebrate Halloween for whatever reason. But then I got scheduled to work on Halloween night. And they were like, mm -hmm. you can dress up if you want. So I was like, what the hell am I going to do now? So then I just wore a Superman shirt with a button down over it. And was like in between Clark Kent and Superman. Cute. But I felt like a <laughs> flop. Well, I mean, I am coming as a girl with a haircut. So <laughs> I don't think I can cast it. No, you knew what would scare me. And much like Carly Beth's. <laughs> Halloween costume. It is a little half-assed, but also right on the nose. Mm -hmm. You don't need much when you've got perfection. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, speaking of Carly Beth, <laughs> this bitch has no business being our final girl because her instincts are terrible. She has been afraid of truly everything this entire book, but when it really counts, she just 
absolutely fumbles the bag because when the creepy store owner with a pencil-thin mustache, greasy black hair, and a cape lets her into his shop after hours, Carly Beth's like, yeah, sure, this is fine. I just assumed he was dressed as Zorro. No, that's just his life. (laughs) Maybe. I guess it is Halloween, so maybe he was dressed as a vampire. But from what we learn later on, I do think this is his everyday look. Wait, I have a question. Do you think Zorro is a vampire? No, I was just making oh, a different okay. reference. Yeah. <laughs> okay, got it. Thank you. No, I know about Zorro because Puss in Boots. Mm, okay. So once in the shop, she sees the usual spirit Halloween costumes, gorillas, pigs with blood coming from their snouts, werewolves, Frankenstein, Uncle Fester, the, the usual. usual. But those are too ordinary and our dim-witted damsel in distress goes rogue, pushing through a slightly open door into the shadowy back room of the shop where she finds a wall of disturbing... That is the porn room. Did you know about the politician (laughs) who wrote Bigfoot porn? No. There is a politician who I believe was an elected official and on the side as a little hobby, he likes to write Bigfoot erotica. Uh Very graphic. Very graphic. With a person? Bigfoot is packing. <laughs> no, I didn't ask that. <laughs> it's Bigfoot and a human? Yeah, like campers wandering ah! into the wilderness and getting dicked down by Bigfoot. Wow. Was he reelected? I think so. <laughs> Republicans are really concerned with drag brunch, but Bigfoot porn, not so much. It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, but Bigfoot's a guy. So as long as he's boinking women, we're fine. That's true. Christ. So... Anyway, Dr. Bald's uncle almost went into business with him. (gasps) Thank God he didn't. So I want to just read a description of this mask that really calls to her. Please. It had a bulging bald head. Its skin was a putrid yellow green. Its enormous sunken eyes were an eerie orange that seemed to glow. The dark lipped mouth gaped wide, revealing jagged animal fangs. So really just looks exactly like my co-host. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) No, but this did remind me of the story of Peter Jackson when he was making The Lord of the Rings. Have you heard about this? No, and I'll do you one further. I don't know who Peter Jackson is, so you're really educating. Well, context clues, he's the director of Lord of the Rings. Well, also someone had to write it. Also, there's the costume designer. There's plenty of persons it could be with context clues. That's fair. That was... Judgy of me. I apologize. Thank you. So Peter Jackson, the director of Lord mm. of the Rings. Now, I'm being really confident about this, but we famously know Ooh, I hope my usual film knowledge. So cuties, make Donnie's day. Slide into our DMs to let me know that he <laughs> was not the director. But he made the decision to model the orcs in the story after Harvey Weinstein. That's and incredible. it wasn't revealed until Harvey Weinstein, all that shit came out about him, that Peter Jackson was like, oh, yeah, also, you know those hideous, ugly orcs? We used Harvey Weinstein's face as the prototype. Is that a true story or that's like Christopher Columbus on the Titanic? Well, like any story I tell, <laughs> the truth is there. The kernel of truth is there in the center. You just kind of have to wade through the bullshit. So the truth yeah. is out there, just like X Files, which came out in September 1993. Circles become circles. Wow. So while the shopkeeper initially refuses to sell her the mask, it turns out that thirty dollars is the price point of ruining a young child's <laughs> life. So the shopkeeper lets her take the mask, which is surprisingly warm and smells like sour, rotten newspaper. But as a parting gift, he does give her a warning: "You will regret this." I like that he got the money before he told her that. A smart businessman. Yes. I like, and you'll probably get to this, but she decides to take that statue head and put it on a stick 
mm-hmm. but also still wear her regular clothes. So I like that she's really leaning into like part of the costume. Like, oh, I'm going to be a monster that rips my head off and puts it on a stick. But also... I'm just going to wear normal clothes. Like, that is not a costume. And I hate when people just wear a mask and say it's a costume. Also, this is not a monster that has been in anything. This is not Frankenstein. This is not a Dracula mask. This is not a werewolf mask. You are just scary. And I hate when people are just scary for Halloween. Okay. I'm glad you had the opportunity to get that off your chest. (laughs) I like to take it a step further. I like the story this tells. We're engaging in some world building. So I like to imagine that the monster came in, attacked her, decapitated her, put her head on a broomstick, and then was like, ooh, I need some army boyfriend clothes, and put it on, and then pranced around with her head on a stick. Very Donnie-coded, really. Yeah, you sold it a little bit. Mm -hmm. But if someone just said, I'm a monster, I'd be like, and you're also finding a new Halloween party. See ya. Mm. (laughs) So Carly Beth doesn't give a shit. It's time for her to pull a carry and torture her tormentors. And soon it's off to the races. First, she terrifies her brother Noah and her frenemy Sabrina. (laughs) So now it's time for her to move on to her real targets, Steve and Chuck. And she goes all out. Like you said, she steals the replica of her face that her mother created, puts it on a broom, essentially like a do-it-yourself disembodied head situation, and then leaps out at them, only... It's not them. Oopsie kitty. She jumped the gun. It turns out just two randos. This all triggered me and what I'm working on in therapy as well because I don't like to be wrong. Man, and this I don't is a like- shame for this episode to not be sponsored by BetterHelp. We are really just doing the work here. Maybe we'll contact them and say like, this is the episode to put your money into. Honey. We are two mentally ill people. We could really use a code. Because I don't like being wrong and I don't like to be embarrassed. So twice in my life, this kind of thing happened to me, not scaring people, but like one time at the bus stop in elementary school, I went to hug my mom goodbye and I looked up and it wasn't my mom still stays with me to this day. So embarrassed. And then this one is kind of funny, but still a little embarrassing. So it also stayed with me to this day. I was in the grocery store with my friend and I heard her say, shh. And I said, I didn't say anything. And then it was a mom yelling at her kid. So then (laughs) (laughs) the mom looked at me, pissed off, obviously, because she thought I was just being like a silly little teenager, but I wasn't. Oh, man. And both of those memories haunt me. Isn't it so funny? Like of all of the things that we should feel shame about and embarrassment about that we've talked about on this podcast, it's like those are your most embarrassing moments. My most embarrassing moment was one time in swim class, I started kicking when I should have been going under and I was mortified. And then one time during soccer practice, my coach caught me raising the roof because I was like practicing a dance routine in my head. I get like hot in the face thinking about this. I was probably like nine or 10 because I was raising the roof on our way into the huddle. So when we got to the huddle, he was like, Chelsea, what were you doing? What dance was that? Like trying to playfully poke fun. Yeah. And for whatever reason, in my nine-year-old brain, I was like, well, I can't admit that I was practicing like a Backstreet Boys dance in my head. And so I told him I was singing I'm a Little Teapot. And then I proceeded to sing it in the huddle to everybody. Like that was my trauma response. Isn't that so weird? It's very weird. And I think I would have said like, what part? 
is raising the roof then, Chelsea. You just did that song that you said you were doing, and not once did you raise the roof. I think that at that point he knew we needed to just quickly move on. It was time to put our hands in, say, go team, and hit the showers, you know? So Carly Beth is a woman transformed. And this is when I do think we get a little bit into our Jennifer's body era. She Mm. has traded in her life of people-pleasing for one where she is stealing candy, chucking apples at old people, threatening to eat children, fantasizing about murdering strangers, and straight up choking Sabrina. In terms of everything Carly Beth is going through, thank God cancel culture didn't exist when I was in college because I had a catchphrase that I would tell to people in class, to my roommates, to my friends, people I didn't consider friends, just anyone really. And now to podcast listeners, thousands of Well, I'm not saying it to them. They're just hearing it about it. But like- I used to, like, instead of like, oh, shut up, or instead of like, I hate you, I would say, I'm going to kill your whole family. (laughs) Just often, often loud. In fact, I think it made it onto my Donnie quote board on the back of my door that you're familiar with. Yeah, so when the SWAT team came in, (laughs) not only were they like, wow, what a weird shrine to himself (laughs) he has. There's active threats. I'm going to kill your whole family. Isn't that nuts? Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> that is extremely nuts. I used to even say it to my army boyfriend, who would then say, that's your family too. <laughs> your sister, yeah. to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I used to tell people in college, instead of, you know, like in elementary school, people would do the crossing of the arms. I think it was a wrestler who originated it and be like, suck it, you know? I'm familiar. I just added some flair to it. And I would like to tell people to suck a soft one. Oh. Because I felt like sucking on a soft penis that's a true bad thing, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You can tell me that you're going to kill my family. I'm just going to say, okay, suck a soft one. Thank you. And so with the help of her mom's mask, which comes alive and yells, help me, for no reason, never talked about again, never mentioned again, just part of the plot there, Carly Beth fulfills her life's purpose and scares the absolute shit out of Steve and Chuck. The night was a success. Now she has a sack of candy and she isn't going to share. First of all, that mask thing was terrifying. But I have a question for you. Were you allowed to eat candy before your parents checked it? Yeah. Uh, On Halloween? Yeah. I mean, we would have to like ration it. But on Halloween, we could kind of eat whatever we wanted. And then whatever wasn't eaten went into a bowl. But your parents didn't check it at all for razor blades or anything? I don't think my parents were really followers of conspiracy (laughs) theories. Got it. No, we had to go home. Pour the candy on the floor. My dad would sort through it, make sure all the wrappers were still closed, all of that. And then he would take what he wanted (laughs) and give the rest to us. So maybe he didn't care about razor blades and anything either. Maybe it was just so he could see what he wanted first. I guess there must have been at some point a razor blade in a piece of candy. Yeah, it came from somewhere. So, you know, if it was going to be one of us... I was shit out of luck. I was deep throating it. No parental supervision there. No, you were sucking a soft one. <laughs> so Halloween has come to an end. But when Carly Beth tries to take her costume off, she is horrified to realize that her face has become the mask. Terrifying. So she returns to the mask shop where the creepy ass pencil mustached man is waiting for her. He essentially is like, sorry, not sorry, reminds her that He didn't want to sell her the mask, but she's the one who threw all that money, that $30 at him. And then he goes on to reveal that his masks aren't masks at all. They are creepy science experiments called the unloved, which 
brutal. Like you didn't need to name them that. You chose that name for them. Yeah, I'm sure that's not helping them get over right. it. And now he's saying that in front of them. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, these unlovable uggos behind me. I don't know why their self-esteem is so low. BetterHelp.com could really help them. So he's kept them alive. And every once in a while, a person or... In this case, an underage, unaccompanied minor like Carly Beth wanders into that back room and one of the faces finds a new home. Now, it was for a bad reason. Like, she did want to scare these people, but they have it coming. But I feel like he should only help find a new home in, like, a Saw-type experience. You know what I mean? Like, find people that have murdered people, that have threatened to kill someone's whole families, whatever, and... Put them in the mask. Don't give it to this 13-year-old girl that's been bullied her whole life. Yeah, he could have had, like, the Dexter code of ethics where it's like, I'm going to be a serial killer, but only to murder other serial killers. Like, he should have been like, okay, you take the Uncle Fester mask and you put this one on old Chuck and see what happens. Oh, yeah. But Chuck with that power, I think, would be unstoppable. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But this is where we got to... And I don't know how to say it nicely. I have a thing about me. Maybe you know this. Maybe you don't. I love to root for an underdog. I love a Cinderella story. Not the movie. I mean, the movie, but also just in general. Like, I love a Cinderella story. I love an underdog story. But there's a thin line between an underdog story and just being pathetic. And when you cross that line and you really thrive in your patheticism, I (laughs) want to see you fail. Okay. Yeah, like I'm not rooting for you anymore. You have just proved to me that you're not really worth my energy and rooting for you and wanting you to thrive and succeed. So at this uh-huh. point, I did want those floating heads to chase her down. And then at the end of the story, I wanted her face stuck on that wall of <laughs> unlovable people. Okay. And that's why I love reality TV so much, mm-hmm. because there are people that you like root for. You're like, oh, come on, Dorit. Come on, PK. I want you to survive. Which can I just say, probably by the time this episode comes out, we will have gotten the official announcement. But it is being teased online that PK and Dorit from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills are getting a divorce. If that happens, I swear to beans, I won't believe in love anymore. I love those two crazy kids. Yeah, that's the thing I'm talking about is that, like, if their marriage fails, I'm like, oh, I was rooting for you. But if Kyle and Mauricio explode, I'm thriving. I'm eating popcorn. Mm. I'm planning a Kyle is over party. Like, all of that. (laughs) There are are people that I just root for your demise. And Carly Gray quickly became one of them. Carly Beth. Yeah. (laughs) I think also, and if we're going to be doing some introspective work, I wonder how much of it is you want the underdog to succeed, but if they are so much the underdog that they are pathetic, you would like to bully them. That's correct. Uh huh. You want to see their face up on that wall, yeah. sucking a soft one with their whole family <laughs> murdered. So some good news for Carly Beth. There is one way to remove the mask. But if the mask ever reattaches to a face ever again, it is forever. So this is her one shot. Carly Beth needs a symbol of love to break the spell. And in some pretty weird messaging from R.L. Stein, it turns out the symbol of love is the horrific head her mom made her. After all, her mom made it because she loves her much more than her brother. (laughs) And so Carly Beth puts on the replica of her face over her new monster head and poof, she's back to herself. And everyone lives happily ever after. Except... 
dun, dun, dun. Noah, her unloved brother, has put on the mask. And we know he. there's no symbol of love for him. My thing, and I know that we are adults reading children's books. However, <laughs> she took that mask off already in the beginning. She tried it on and then took it off. I think it got tighter each time. Oh, okay. So I think she took it off once and it was really hard. Then she now took it off a second time. And I think it's like, you know, baseball, three strikes, you're stuck as a monster forever. Fair enough. Yeah. The ending of this reminded me of, did you ever read Thinner by Stephen King? Uh -uh. So for whatever reason, my dad told us the story of Thinner by Stephen King as like a bedtime story where he wasn't reading the book. He was like telling us the story because he used to do that a lot of like whatever he was reading he would just tell us like a bedtime story but it's really really scary it's about this we're not allowed to say the word anymore but starts with a g Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. a fortune teller a fortune teller type of lady this man is getting a blowjob from her (laughs) but i think my dad told me these details and i think i was in like middle school so this man was getting a blowjob as he was driving and he runs over this fortune teller lady's daughter i think and i'm not going to tell the whole thing thinner but the fortune teller places a curse on him where she touches his cheek and she goes thinner And he is like a really overweight, obese type of man. Lots of fat phobia happening in that Stephen King novel. So all of a sudden he starts losing weight. And at first it's like everybody's like, oh my God, you look amazing. He's not changing anything. He's eating and he's just losing weight, losing weight, losing weight until he becomes like skin and bones. He's like a Uh. skeleton. He is dying. He cannot stop losing weight. He goes back to the fortune teller lady and she puts the curse into this pie. And she's like to get rid of the curse. Basically, it's like the ring. You have to like pass it Uh. on. So he's like planning who he's going to give it to but then he comes down in the middle of the night and his wife is sitting there having a midnight snack and eating the pie so the book ends and sorry people spoiler alert I guess if you haven't read this book from like the 80s but the book ends with him picking up a fork and eating the pie with her horrifying sad yeah we are on a time crunch but I'm going to give what we call in the biz a little teaser And I'm not going to tell you which part of that story reminded me that I need to tell this story on the podcast. But for listeners who have been listening for a while who are familiar with the first time that my brother came on the podcast to cover Home for the Holidays, we told a tale about my uncle who was shot in a convenience store when he was protecting his mistress from a hitman. So go back and listen to that episode for that full story. A little teaser. I have become privy to some New details about that story that no one knew until my grandma got drunk and said it out loud. And I can't wait to tell the story. (laughs) Stay tuned for that, cuties. (laughs) So final thoughts. Who would you cast in a movie version of this book? Did you watch Cruel Summer? I did not. Oh, well, there's an ugly girl from that that I think would be good as Carly Beth. She just gives pathetic. And then as Sabrina... Oh, I didn't even do this on purpose. As Sabrina, I would cast Kiernan Shipka, who played Sabrina in the Dark Reboot. And then as the owner of the costume shop, I went Neil Patrick Harris. That's brilliant. I love <laughs> that. You. So much like R.L. Stein hopping in his time machine to steal <laughs> ideas from ideas, you, Donnie, though. we're going to hop in a time machine and our cast, we're going to age people up. So it's going to be yeah. more of like a high school aged cast Mm -hmm. and we're going to go back to the 90s so for steve and chuck i want the guy who plays stifler and matthew lillard because i think that they could be very good at being two douchey bros just like 
ruining this girl's life. Uh-huh. I said Tara Reed as Carly Beth. Okay. And then I have Sarah Michelle Geller as Sabrina. Also on board with that. So final, final thoughts. What aged well and what aged like borders about this book? In terms of what aged well, people still have half-assed costumes on Halloween. People are still bullied. I think that like a kid could read this now. And besides some of the costumes that were like in the costume shop, I think that it's all things that they would understand the references to, whatever. Borders, there was a mention for no reason that the mom was fat. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. I don't know why that had to be dragged into it, but right. that was it. I think that what aged well is it was a fun read. I enjoyed myself. It holds up in terms of being a book that was enjoyable. I think in terms of Borders, just the overall messaging for young girls in mm. this book, there was a lot of just internalized misogyny, a lot of like victim blaming, where essentially the whole time Carly Beth is straight up being bullied, like bully bullied, <laughs> like no teachers are stepping in, no parents have anything to say about it. And every time she's standing up for herself or like after something's happened, every time she's processing it with her best friend, Sabrina, Sabrina's like, well, you're too scarable. Like, well, I don't think Chuck and Steve mean to be mean. You're just asking for it. And there was a lot of undertones of like, just get it together, Carly Beth. This is your fault. That's very true. (laughs) But my pussy hat was burned earlier in the episode, so I didn't pick up on those things. Carly Beth is either the good girl that gets scared or she's literally a monster threatening Mm. to eat children. There wasn't any growth. It was like once she took off that monster hat, she went right back to being like meek wallflower. That's very true. Yeah. She should have learned something. But alas, much like this podcast, nobody's learning anything. (laughs) So next week we are covering, what are we covering next week? We don't know yet. (laughs) Oh. Okay, so next week we're covering something that isn't spooky. So just like R.L. Stein, we're going to leave you with a cliffhanger. Next week we're covering dot, dot, dot. Got to turn the page to find out. (laughs) So with that, we will see you next week. We will talk to you later. Love Love you like like a sister. sister. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at Ono Chels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash IamTheCuteOne. And go to IamTheCuteOne.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk Talk to to you you later. later. Love you like a sister. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.